Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this Saturday morning show, Lenin's Winter Prep Gym. This is really an important one, and it's a good checklist for our landlords and tenants and things uh, for a warm and safe rentals through this winter period. We do this we do this every year, and it's really important, I feel, because I think everybody's aware the weather's turning and the winter's obviously really setting in, and it brings with it that, obviously, chilling collection of potential problems with your rental property. And you really, there is a lot of tips and things you could do to prevent. Prevention is uh, the key, I think, here. Yeah, yeah. it's absolutely, absolutely. Prevention is better than cure. Uh, and when it, absolutely, when it comes to winter, we'll often forget it. It's usually, the, it's usually around about September, August, when everybody starts phoning, because it's like you're putting yeah. your central heating on for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> It's like there's something wrong with central heating. And it's like, I'm no surprised. It's been switched off for the last five months. And if it's been switched off for the last five months, the zone valves and that will probably have stuck, or the radiator valves will have stuck as well. Um, so these are all the prep things. If, uh, and and you're, make sure all your settings are right. Make sure your system pressure's up. Make sure uh, things like you're giving your house proper ventilation. Because this is the time of year, you know, we're, we're going to talk about this in a wee bit more detail, but you know this yeah. is the time of year that everybody doesn't put their stuff out, out in the washing line. They put it on the radiators, um, and then they end up having damp in their house, and they yeah. go, "It's and you're going, it's no damp, well, it's, it's condensation." Yeah. And so these are all the, the things, and and roofers, preventative maintenance during the summer and the spring. That's the key here for roofers, because if you get something wrong in the last minute when it's pouring and rain or when the snow's on your roof, you're goosed. The roofer can't go up. You know, you can't, oh, could you go up and fix that? It's like, okay, it's pouring in rain. What part of the roof do you want me to stand on to avoid slipping off? Nowhere. He, yeah, they can't, that person can't go up there just now for that very reason. So all the prevention really has to be there. I, I mean, we were doing this now and everybody's going, I wish you had told me this three months ago. <laughs> yeah, um, we're doing this now, so keep this for next year then for anybody who's doing it and, and actually act on it now. These are all the things you've got to do preventing maintenance. Because remember, you, you've got a duty of care to the tenant, but also you've got to make sure your, your property is wind and water tight um, and fit for habitation. That's the key here. Yeah, definitely. I think there's this misunderstanding, especially what you say about roofers, Jim, as well. I mean, the bad way that ends, people phone uh, us and have obviously issues with water ingress and water coming in. Things like that. That's fine. We'll get the roofer to look at it, but not until it's cleared up. And there's nothing we could do about it in the meantime, except from obviously try and manage the, the, the problem as best you can. But um, yeah. yeah, in many so ways... If, if, if you're a tenant, just say, if you're a tenant and you're tuning in right here, put a bucket under the where it's the water's coming in and catch the water. Don't just let it go straight onto the ground. You'd be amazed at how many people that have had in houses over the years that have just let it happen without actually making any preventative effort at all. Oh, but it's yeah. the landlord that should be doing it. Well, I'll be honest, you're not exactly the model tenant then if that's the case. And no one will want you yeah I, mean, I was just going to say in many ways rental homes are a bit more at risk when they're occupied in winter because yeah. of the daily lives and the concerns of tenants can sometimes be at odds to the interests of a la of a landlord or a person who actually owns the home um, mm. so this week we're going to run through and, and you touched on a few of them the, um, the the things the balance to getting things right um and measures to take and firstly it's keeping condensation and mold and damp at bay maintaining smoke alarms and carbon monoxide detectors, combining cost savings on bills and conscious property care as well, and reducing the risk of water damage and ice. Uh, we've seen that a lot, like uh, if there's damage to Harlan and things, and people just don't understand if water gets in behind there and then freezes, it's a, it's a, it's a big uh, repair job. It makes it worse, and, and cracks on the outside as well. Yeah. You know, especially the water goes in and it keeps constantly, and, and if you've got an outside, um, uh, you know your 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 vent pipe for your uh, your, flu, your, flu. your water. You know your vent oh, pipe sorry, for your water. Okay. Overflow. Um, right. So so the overflow pipe. That's it for your water or your system or anything like that. Um, make sure that's sorted because if you keep that constantly dripping, what happens is it eventually freezes up inside, and then your 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 toilet and your WC or your your water tank overflows as a result because it, it's going yeah. away for the water to go now. Yeah, that could be that could be a, a recipe for disaster. But and, and also planning ahead when potentially a tenant goes on holiday. Tenants got a duty of care to notify landlords and agents if they're going to be leaving the property vacant or go on holiday for a certain period of time. 
yeah. insurance purposes and just and like I say, preventative measures as well. So to ensure our landlords and things don't get caught out uh, by the cold, we check these things um, at all our homes and we manage as part of our scheduled like inspections and things as well. This is all things like roofs and um, you know, things that you look as preventative measures to make sure ahead of time as best you can. But the tenant's got a duty to help us do that as well. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's, I actually questioned this at one point in time with a, well, a legal advisor about, you know, what does does the tenant have any legal duties at all? Because we had a wee, um, uh, I had a wee spat with a tenant. What would they say a spat? A debate. And he says, yeah. oh, but I've not got, it's no my responsibility. And I went, wait a minute, I'm sure it is. So yeah. I checked with a legal advisor just because it's like, I know the law and I know most just of the law and the legislation, um, but yeah. I thought I'm just going to check again to make sure because it was a long time ago I checked this. And yes, the tenant has normal tenant duties, which are usually prescribed and written down in the actual tenancy agreement, which is a contractual agreement between you and the tenant or the letting agent or vice versa. And yeah. you have a duty as a tenant to make sure you notify the letting agent or your landlord as, as soon as practical um, of any situation that could incur damage to the property or anything that's wrong with the property, it could it could affect your safety or any or or, or make sure it's wind and watertight as well. So a tenant's got a, a, as much of a duty as the landlord. You, you know, sitting there and letting damp happen and posting on social media saying, "Oh, this this landlord's terrible," and the landlord's going, "I know nothing about this." Yeah. <laughs> It's like yeah. this person's been told me they've decided to go straight to social media and get likes and uh, and and get attention for the for the predicament when they actually should be going straight to the letting agent or landlord. Yeah, and I think also if you don't if you don't have a letting agent or somebody managing the property for you and you are self managed, what we're going to talk about today can be really helpful and useful to you. So obviously, yeah, or share it and share it with others as well, and and together you can work with your tenant to mm -hmm. everyone stays safe and warm and things through this obviously winter period. First thing we're going to talk about is clearing the air and this is one of the most important ones and I'm glad it's first because as you said Jim it's something that comes up a lot at this time of year people drying clothes and things every and with single the heating, time yeah with the heating cranked up and the cold weather outside conditions are perfect for condensation to form so it's wise to um, take precaution to drop your tenants some tips you know even have a help sheet uh, and help them avoid damp and mildew in their property we have so I'm just I had to get it in somewhere. I'm just out of Spain just now. I tell you what, I'm just out of Spain just now, okay? Yeah. And it's 20 degrees, that's fine. But I just had a shower and the whole place, the whole bathroom is, is steam. Now yeah. I've got wall-to-wall -wall tiles. I have a, you know, I have a mirror as well and all the rest of it. So I had to wipe all that down and everything. But I opened the door and then opened the bedroom windows to make sure the whole area gets aerated yeah. because you know what happens this is what happens mold yeah. and mildew start to build up overall yeah. and then what happens is again we're coming back to normal tenant duties about the fact that i'm going to give tenants a hard time here and um, to be honest because I've, I've had a few in the past and it's like oh well we didn't think we we're responsible for that of course you are if you see a bit of mold and mildew on your tiles or on your around your bath or or in your skirting or anything like that or the you know anywhere on the ceiling if you can get up to it um, then, then you've either got to report it, or you need to you need to wipe it down with a bit of a bit of you know a, a damp cloth and, and dettol or or yeah. or mess or plates or something now. like that. You get yeah, you need now that are something to stop it happening, and not just sit there and let it continue and continue and continue. And then six months later, when the landlord appears for an inspection or the letting agent appears for the inspection, they go, "Well, oh, I just, I just. So when did you know about this?" It's like, well, about six months ago. It's like, so why did you know? Why did you know report something? It's like, so it's got progressively worse over the over the months. And therefore, what, what was an easy wipe it down has now become a thousand pound job. Yeah. That's chargeable to the tenant, by the way, if that's negligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, talking about sprays and things as well, Jim, and one I recommend to people, uh, and I use it myself as well if I need to, uh, there was one in B&Q and it's called, it's an H, it's called HD, it's a whole range. And they were a wee bit expensive, they're about £6 a bottle, but they're now stocked in Home Bargains for around about 2 and that's amazing. Home Bargains is probably the place to go. Keep the it's guy amazing. keep the guy in his lifestyle he has in the, the British Virgin <laughs> Islands, across from Necker Island. Oh yeah, yeah, you showed us that. <laughs> Mosquito Island, actually, they're on uh, the yeah. family. <laughs> but I mean, it is, it is quite affordable now and it's brilliant stuff. So, um, 
But again, obviously, anybody wanted any tips on how to do that, then you should have, um, if you've got an agent or something, they should, they should have a help sheet for you. And on that, it should remind you not to dry wet clothes on radiators and things as the humidity can lead to mould on the walls. But it's not to say you're not to use the radiators, but ventilate while you're doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, a classic is you, you get them out of, I think it's better wear. You know, you get the, the radiator hangers, you, you hang it on the radiator and you can you can just put your clothes there. Um, but make sure you open a window somewhere to actually ventilate it. So we're not saying don't dry your stuff on yeah. the radiators because sometimes you're just going to have to have it because you need it for next day or something like that. But don't do it all the time because you're really going to cause a problem for you overall in terms of your health. Yeah. It's your health as well. It's you It's causing it. It's not anybody else other than you It's causing it in that situation. So make sure you ventilate the whole house properly. Oh, but it's cold outside. It's just what you're going to have to do because if you put your clothes outside, it would be cold anyway and they wouldn't dry. So make sure you get a proper radiator dryer to hang on rather than actually just putting on the radiator. So, it just goes. Than, so what yeah. happens with the radiator, if you don't have the proper radiator dryer, here's what happens. You put it right on top of it. Therefore, the hot air's got no air to circulate. It's it dry this one piece of clothing. Therefore, the only thing that comes out of that radiator is condensation. There's no hot air to dissipate it or dry it out. It's just condensation. That's why you put it on a proper hanger. So this hot air circulates around the room at the same time as easily drying your your clothes overall that's what you need to do yeah and that that's and, and then that brings us on to and trickle vents and i like to speak for experience because i think people maybe think we sit and talk about this and don't actually know we, we have the same issues as well if your windows have trickle vents you need to be keeping them open all year round but i did notice in my house the the other day it was really cold and i actually felt the, the breeze coming in the trickle vent so i closed them but then the next day i opened them again you know, but so they, they need to stay open to ventilate because they're so important to keep that air flowing and all year round. And like I say, if it's a really cold day, you can close them, obviously. Now, if, you, if you don't have trickle vents, most windows now have a secondary locking latch. Yes. So yes. in other words, you can just open your window. There's usually two channels on the actual view. If you open the window and look down where it, where it closes into and um, where it locks into, you have two channels um, for locks. One is obviously to lock the window perfectly tight, and the other one is you can just close the window and it locks into the secondary one, and it leaves a wee gap like the trickle vent, so it constantly allows air into the property and obviously condensation to go out. If you have a humidifier and you really want to do it quick, we have the laundry, we've got the pulley. Okay, well, it's not mm -hmm. laundry. It's 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 a it's a it's basically you know the size of um, an L-shaped kitchen. Uh -huh. That's ultimately it. So we've got that. Um, but we've got a clothes hanger up there. But we've, we, what we do is we do put the heating on, but we put a humidifier in there because the humidifier will, will dry a lot quicker um, as a result. And and I even do that out here in Spain because you know even though it's twenty degrees outside, the moisture is still in the air, so it doesn't dry as quick here. So I do put a humidifier in as well and just put all the stuff into the into the bathroom. Um, so that's another one. You know, if you want to dry stuff out, you get a proper clothes horse, stick it in the bathroom, put a humidifier in. Obviously, you've not got plugs in the bathroom. You might just want to stick it through the door um, and obviously attach yeah. it to a plug outside and just stick that through the door and let the let the place dry out and, and let it take all the moisture out of the out of the let it take the moisture out of the clothes. In other words, drag it out of the clothes mm -hmm. and then what happens is it'll put it into a water tank and then you can just pour it down the drain. Um mm -hmm. or you can pour it down the toilet, recycle it. You know, yeah. just use it for the toilet as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the secondary locking on the windows as well. Even like your big windows in your living room have the hopper windows at the top have a secondary locking and things as well. And also, I mean, I think no matter what time of year, you should encourage people, and you should have this in your own mindset anyway, to open your windows maybe once, twice a week, even yeah. just for half an hour to let the fresh air through and circulate. And like you say, Jim, it's for your own health as well. You know, you, and what I've you're going to say? I've got to admit. It's like Elaine opens all the windows and I go right at the back and close them all. <laughs> close them. <laughs> it's like it's bloody Baltic in here. <laughs> so, so I'm, you know, I'm sometimes the culprit. Um, hence the reason why why we use a humidifier because I'd rather have the humidifier on, yeah. taking all the moisture out the air rather than actually having to open the window. But then, but then I, I, I was just going to say, obviously, it's when it gets to this time of year in Scotland, there isn't a lot of chance to get out and about and get fresh air. So it's it's good to open the windows and things, but. 
Um, and you've yeah. got if you've got an issue and you think to yourself, I can't afford the humidifier, you should probably watch the wealth creation show at twelve thirty yeah. on a Monday. Yeah. Because because if you can't afford the humidifier, then you need to learn about how to make money and develop wealth. And that's what the wealth creation show is all about. Anyway, that's yeah. a plug for twelve thirty on Monday. I was just gonna say we're doing that on Monday and I'll I'll I'll, I'll let you know what we're talking about at the end. Um but yeah, reducing humidity. I am um, there's things other things you could do as well. And we do this in all your properties, Jim, is uh, use an extractor fan above the hob. I mean, that's a really important one, your cooking and things, just to get that um, opening windows, windows slightly uh, during and after your shower. And that's just a, to me, I think that's a given, but a lot of people maybe don't think of that. And it's like, you should really do that. Open the window, bow your, and, and then obviously let the, the hot air. But if you're a landlord as well, if you're a landlord as well, you need to get some sort of fan or timer or humidifier in the bathrooms. Um, or the shower rooms, even though you've got a window, because there's no requirement to do it. You've got a window because you, the person could just open the window. But the best one in the world, no, everybody's the same. You know, we don't all do the same things. We're not always disciplined to do things like that. Just because you are, it doesn't mean you say someone else is. So please don't put your beliefs and expectations on your tenant. Let, you know, cover yourself. So in other words, cover yourself and, and make sure you do some sort of preventative. And it, and it is just put a, a, a you know just put a, a six inch um, is that a, a four inch six inch whatever uh, humidifier in humidifier fan um, a prime line or whatever it is it's, they're called. You get them at uh, Juicens and stuff, and you get them at builders merchants. Um, they're really I wouldn't I'll be honest. How can you buy them on Amazon and stuff like that? Because they cost a bloody fortune. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you go to Juicens or you go to any reputable builders merchants, which you can buy off the counter anyway, um, you can just pop in and buy one off of them. And and it's about they're about twenty five or thirty quid. Yeah. I was uh, I met with a landlord yesterday. His property that he's just renovated, and we were talking about the extractor fan in the bathroom because he put a new one in, and it's one of these like it's a really, really quiet one. Yeah. And I went to pull the cord to turn it on and off, and he went, no, no. He went, I've put it in the attic. So it comes on with the light, but the, he says, because tenants before used to turn it off because it was noisy. Yeah. Says, I, I put a quiet one in, so it's really, you can barely hear it. So it, so the tenant can't turn it off, so it always comes on and always aerates and, and, and uh, extracts when they're in the shower. But it comes on with the light, and it's but it's quiet. on and off with the light. On and off the lights, fine. Um, that's okay. You could put a timer one in as well, which maybe goes five minutes to ten minutes after you switch the light off. Um, humidifiers are a bit more difficult um, because if you have a double pole switch, that's what you have to do in new uh, new installations on some uh, some of the new build properties. They'll have double pole switches. In other words, like you know, like your shower switch, where you can mm -hmm. where yeah. you just above the door or wherever it is, you, you can switch it on and off remotely. Uh, and that's when a lot of tenants actually just decide to switch it off there, which is a which is a, a real difficulty because then it obviously, you may as well know how to there in the first place. Yeah. But yeah, like you say, Jim, it's definitely, if, if things that we've covered about the windows and uh, things maybe feel a bit impractical for your property, then investing in a dehumidifier, that can prove really worthy uh, and uh, of the cost is for avoiding maybe more expensive jobs and things and obviously the build up of mold and damp in a property and again let's just look at that then let's look let's look at uh, you invest in a humidifier humidifier mm -hmm. would normally cost anything between 40 and 60 pounds i think yeah uh, and you think it's a you think it's a lot of money but then when you break it down it's it's less than it's less than a quid a week one pound a week for a year that's it so 40 50 quid for a humidifier now, what does what damage gets done if you don't do that? Well, your clothes sometimes get all mouldy and musky. Um, your health suffers as a result as well sometimes because remember again, as you know, uh, sometimes the person's not actually doing any preventative uh, cleaning at all to make sure you know there's all that that mould that they've generated as a result of the condensation because that's how it's generated. Um, um, uh, is not cleaned up and therefore mm -hmm. it develops into spores. Yeah. Now. If you see something on your wall or you see something anywhere else and it's a black spot, that is generally classed as condensation. That's a condensation problem. If it's anything other than black, it's probably a damp problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And obviously you need to differentiate between what's what. As soon as people see things, they just automatically say the word damp. It's just, it's, it's, it resonates all the way through every, every landlord or agent that's dealt with tenants they'll, they'll be able to resonate with that but i tell you one place i tell you one place richard it builds up in bedrooms and yeah. it generally it's generally behind cabinets and behind wardrobes 
um, and more so um, if they're on an outside wall. So in other words, if you're at an end terraced house and your wardrobe's against the wall that's on the outside of the house, and therefore the outside wall is cold, the inside is um, cold, and the warm air hits that with the con with the water vapour and then it condensates on the wall. But it doesn't dry out because the wardrobe is almost right next to it. So it doesn't, uh, there's no ventilation to let it dry out. Mm -hmm. So move your wardrobe maybe a bit further away um, if possible. Um, so so it can get some sort of ventilation in there. But check it now and again, because I don't you don't want at the last minute to dig through all your stuff at the bottom of the wardrobe and then find out some of it's damaged just through yeah. just through condensation. And and you'll not you'll not be able to get that uh, uh, you can't kind of wash it out or anything once it's damaged. Yeah, like, and you have to be doing. you have to be and you, you need to have you need to have your own insurance as well for contents. Yeah. The landlord's not responsible for your contents. Yeah. And the, yeah, unless it's neg point. unless it's negligence. But but yeah. that's that's no easy to prove. Yeah, yeah. Over the years, I've I've had reports from some people, and and when I go out to have a look, and it's like you say, Jim, you go in and there's just a masses of furniture and stuff up against walls, and just no ventilation, yeah. and that's what the issue is. So, but let's talk next about catching catching the flu, and that's F F L U A E, not not the the flu flu. Uh, and as the cold weather bites and people start to stay in and they cook more and they turn up their heat and the potential for smoke and fumes increasing. So there's some steps you could follow to really put safety first. And first off, I think checking all your smoke alarms, your carbon monoxide detector are working. Landlords are responsible for this. And on the day of a new tenancy starts, they should all be working and in good working order and date. Obviously your smoke alarms have a, an expiry date. Well, tenants should do a monthly check on their own. They should test. You've got test buttons on there and um, make sure they're working. And if there's not any of them working or there's a fault, you should really report that to your landlord or your agent, whoever is managing it. And that's but very I important. But I can't get up to the roof to test them. If you've got a, if you've got a broom or, a, or a, a mop or anything like that, you've got an end bit on it, it's got, and you just push it up to press the button. That's all you yeah. need to do. You just need to do it lightly. You don't, you don't need to do that. You just need to press it lightly and you'll test it and pull off again. It'll test the button and it'll test the whole circuit. Yeah, definitely. And that's what you see that they should be they should be interlinked, um, whether that's hardwired or um, the the remote uh, link. One should go off with the rest of them. So, yeah, test them. It's a tenant's duty to test them as well. Uh, if they're provided to you in working order and things, make sure they work continually. And if they're not, the landlord or agent will happily have them uh, upgraded or replaced if need be. So that's another really important one, uh, smoke alarms and carbon monoxide detectors. Also remind tenants that the detectors start beeping regularly. It means that their batteries are running out and they should be replaced. So they'll, they'll have a backup battery, although maybe they're, if they're, if they're hardwired mains or if they're long life lithium batteries, they do last a long time. But when that comes, the battery comes to its end of its life or it's coming to the end of its life, it will start to beep regularly. And it just means it needs, it needs replaced. I've got one. I've got actually one in my house in the actual kitchen. The heat detector mm -hmm. isn't yeah. hardwired, and it's fine. It's interlinked through a battery, so yeah. now and again it starts beeping. And I know everything else is interlinked with hardwired, so I know straight away it's that one at the bottom. Just need to change the battery. So it's a, it's a good sign. You could you could you know, but because because most you know yourself, everyone installed now. Um, can be interlinked, but I think they do put ten-year lithium batteries in them, don't they? They're now they're the long-life lithium batteries in the last ten years, and your in your smoke alarm lifespan is ten years anyway. So they should the new ones should last the test of time. But I mean, there'll be the odds of one that doesn't, and so if that if it needs if it beeps, that's what the, the issue is. What happens if your detectors start going off a lot? Yeah, I, I, we've had this before. Um, if you if you, oh, sorry, my light went there. If your detectors start going off a lot, they're either positioned incorrectly. I've seen this with the mm -hmm. position too close to the, the oven or the, 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 the hob. Also, if you have maybe your toaster positioned and it's got maybe it needs cleaned out and you've got a lot of residue crumbs and things in there, they will cause smoke that will set off your smoke alarms. Um, so it's worth obviously speaking to your tenant and saying, obviously, do you have your toaster positioned in a certain position where it's got um, smoke and things going into the heat detector or is it? Your heat detector may be too close to the hob. Now that's been an issue I've, I've noticed before. That's a that's a very rare thing, but it's something I've come up against. Yeah. Here's some things I've noticed over the years. Um, if your heat detector keeps going off in your kitchen, it possibly might not be a heat detector. It might be a smoke detector. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it might be one combined, by the way. There's a responsibility to have a heat detector in the kitchen now. You don't need to have a smoke detector because, you know, you know yourself, everything gets burnt. So the yeah. heat detector is the one that they recommend in the kitchen now. But there's usually, sometimes there's still combined smoke and heat. So that's why it keeps going off, as you said, Richard, with the toast. And um, yeah. other one as well, in most apartments or even, even other houses where you've got the kitchen um, and you've got the door open in the living room, um, and the smoke detector in the living room is near the kitchen door. Therefore, the smoke actually travels. If you burn the toast or anything, if you burn the, the food, um, it travels and it hits the heat of the smoke detector in the living room. So watch out for that one. The other one as well is in your hall. Generally, you sometimes it gets set off with the condensation from the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So when people yeah. open after having a really intense shower, um, I'm not mentioning anybody, Elaine, because <laughs> when, when Elaine when Elaine comes out the shower, when I come out the shower, everything's fine. When Elaine comes out the shower, it looks like a Turkish bath, like stars in their eyes. <laughs> it's like flipping heck, I stars in your eyes tonight, Matthew. I'm going to be. It's like I can't believe it sometimes. It's uh, I. It's pretty. It's like can I just cut this a, a, a space in this 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 condensation here, and I could just get through. Um, so watch out for that because then it does travel out into the hall when you open the door sometimes and it will hit the it will hit the, the smoke detector and it'll probably it'll probably set it off so just be aware of these things don't panic just understand that that's the things that could possibly set it off so if you know straight away that's what's happened in the relationship you know okay that's set it off yeah. you don't need to throw you know like phone the phone the fire brigade or anything like that no it's just like just double check yeah yeah, I think as we speak about smoke alarms and carbon monoxide, just as a reminder, um, at the property on each level should have a smoke alarm and there should be carbon monoxide detectors in the rooms where you have combusting appliances, which is your boiler or if you've got a, burning, a log burning stove and things as well, you should have these uh, provisions in the correct places in a rental property. So I believe they have to be within one metre of the actual... The, the not in the cupboard, beside the boiler. <laughs> that, that's important yeah. as well. So the so the having any carbon monoxide detector for any installation, as you said, like the gas boiler, log burning stoves, um, gas gas um, fires as well, um, yeah. and um, should have a, a carbon monoxide detector within a meter of the of the actual unit itself. Okay, just to make that clear. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, obviously smoke alarms and that are very important. Let's talk about embracing the heat then, Jim. And while gas and electricity bills are less than what they, they, they were last year at its peak, the cost is still a bit of a concern for many people, and in particular tenants and things, as really at the forefront when people are looking for property. And so here are some ways that we could look at less energy, uh, to use less energy without causing problems and having to obviously uh, cut back on the actual heat itself. So I think... Um, Ask, ask tenants if they've noticed any drafts in their property and if you're able to fit maybe inexpensive, inexpensive draft excluders, whether that's on windows and doors and uh, even looking at things like keyholes. And we've, we've said this, we say this numerous times and it's something that people won't think about is keyholes and letterboxes and, and things that really a lot of the, the hot air will escape out of. And that is a really cost effective way to keep your property warm yeah. during the really cold months because you could lose heat. And you'll know yourself, Jim, you could put the heating on, place could be warm, you could turn it off. And if you've got, you've not got proper draft excluders and it's escaping, your, your heat will just go and you're, and you're back to square one and you've spent all, that, spent all that money heating the property up. Yeah. Defeats the purpose. It's like you've just heat, you know, as I say, personal experience. <laughs> yeah. When we're yeah. going to the airport, it's like Elaine leaves the door open and the whole house is nice and hot. And it's like, can you not just close the inside door? Because <laughs> I just, I don't know what it is. I just, I'm just programmed to see pounds, you know, uh, notes flying out the door, <laughs> like pound notes and ten pound notes fl- taking flight and flying out the door as the as the heat disappears outside. Yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, and in addition to things like maybe taking precautions like draft excluders and that, also look at where your furniture is positioned in your property. Do you have sofas in front of radiators or furniture or? Maybe like let's say a sideboard. A lot of people might not like, or a, or a, a console table, or just something in front of your radiator, which is blocking the heat. That is going to really Often reduce with our curtains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over and the radiators at the windows. Yeah. 
Yeah, and where's it going? It's going up and then it'll go out the window. Yeah. yeah they're just, heat, just heating the, the space between the curtain and the window. That's yeah. it. So yeah, so that's... Curtains, you make sure your curtains are just at the right height. Even even just pin them up with a couple of safety pins just to so they just hit the bottom and, and most of the heat comes out from the mm-hmm. so when it hits the ledge it actually flows out into the room rather than actually just continues behind the curtain. Yeah, definitely keep uh, keep uh, an eye on where you're positioning furniture, especially in the winter months. Because, and I mean, in all honesty, I am guilty because I have my couch partially covers one of my radiators and it annoys me. But it's just obviously I'll, I'll have to move it. But again, uh, because I'm aware that it blocks the heat coming through one of the radiators, so it's something to think about your positions of your your furniture. Also, another thing I'm guilty of: keep your internal doors closed. If you're trying to keep warm, you know, close doors behind you. Don't have every door in the house open because you'll just lose all that heat. Um, and it's a lot more cost effective and, and efficient to keep the doors closed and keep that heat in the main rooms that you're spending most of your time in. And um, also use a timer on your thermostat so that it comes on and heats up at certain times. And then, I mean, that's if your property does have one. But then it's a lot, it's a lot more cost effective to do that as well. So do you know the the one thing that we know is um, we've yep. also got the carts, so we leave the yep. living room door open all the time for the carts yep. to get in and out. But it's only enough for the carts to get through. But see if you open that door even double what that space is, you notice it straight away in the room. You actually feel a draft coming into the room, and yet and yes, it's, it's only it's it's probably gone from that to that mm-hmm. in terms of the, how much it's open, and and you just notice it. So it's clearly obvious that you know there's there's drafts all about around your house now. Let's be honest, you're meant to have drafts in your house because it's actually to get rid of things like the condensation and stuff like yeah, that. You have to have areas. So, yeah. but, but, so you've got to start to get into the mentality of making sure you do open the windows because everything gets sealed. So you're double glazing seals on the windows. Uh, there's no drafts coming in there. Your front door now is double glazed and it usually seals the front door as well. Um, and the, every, you know, your chimney, if, you, if you've not got a chimney and modern houses don't have chimneys, so they've got nowhere for any ventilation to come from as well. And mostly uh, a lot of new houses are actually built on concrete, uh, uh, concrete bases and that's how they do it. And they don't yeah. actually put this space in between no further getting under the floor anymore. Um, it's all built on concrete. Um, how they do it. So, so therefore, you've got nowhere for any drafts to come in. Um, so there's no surprise, again, as I said, it is, you get condensation um, and, and it just hits all the walls and causes mould and damp. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a big issue if, if you don't, obviously, if you get into that mindset and think, right, okay, and like you say, close doors, but then keep the air flowing and things as well. And Thermostats is a good one. Thermostats, by the way, um, radiators. So if, you're, if your room's just, a, so every single radiator, every Every modern house has, uh, I think it's TBRs, um, TBRs valves on your yeah. radiators. So, so what that is designed to do is, uh, here, right, listen in, folks, because it's a bugbear of mine. Everybody thinks if you turn the TBR up, it will turn the heat in the radiator up. It doesn't. It's a thermostat for the room. In other words, when the temperature gets the right temperature in the room, in other words, 20 degrees is room temperature, it cuts off if it's at that. So when you've got the wee dot in the middle, the wee dot you're meant to be at, that's that's room temperature, that's 20 degrees if you set it to that. If it's if the rooms, once it the heating's on full blast and you get the, the heat into the room and it's not hot enough, just turn up a quarter, a quarter point, yeah. a quarter digit, and just keep doing that at some point where you think, okay, that is the right temperature now. And if it's too hot in the room, turn it down a quarter point. And then eventually you'll get the right temperature on the radiators for the room. It's not the temperature in the radiators. The the heat in the radiator is is delivered. The heat in the radiator is delivered by the boiler. The yeah. boiler has a setting as well, which delivers the temperature of the water in your radiators. So the thermostat on your radiator is for the room. The thermostat on the boiler is for the actual heat in the in the radiator itself. Yeah. The the temperature. So in other words. It could pump 60 centigrade in. Um, if you turn it up a bit, it could pump 70 centigrade in. It's kind of like a hot water bowl, yeah. I would say. You know, your hot water bowl starts off really hot and then suddenly it starts to cool down and that's because nothing else is continuing to heat it up, whereas mm-hmm. your boiler does when you put it at 60 or 70 degrees. 60 or 65. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that is <laughs> a lot of people have got that misconception with the, uh, the, the thermostats on the radiators in each room. So 
uh, keep that in mind because it is people just crank them all up to full and, and that's a really yeah that's something often, if you, i often walk in the office and it's like bloody africa <laughs> that's why you're saying that because <laughs> <laughs> the girls in the office are bad for doing it yeah and then you immediately look at the tvr and the radio and it's been turned up to full blast yeah and it's like it's fully open it's on permanently no wonder it's not going to switch off there's no thermostat to switch the boiler off so it gets far too hot and they go oh i'm really tired it's like i'm not surprised you're, you're <laughs> it's like you're roasting <laughs> Well, that would be as well. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, also, thinking of energy efficiency and things as well, and obviously, if you're at that time of year where you're trying to heat your properties and obviously the cost of utilities and things and that to heat, you need to think of obviously being really uh, cost effective. And energy sapping um, appliances and things like your washing machines, your dishwashers, your tumble dryers, um, try using them maybe at later times in the day or, or at night times when tariffs and that are lower. Because that could try and offset a wee bit of what you're spending on the heating. There's a bit, there's a bit of fear there, isn't there, about running your washing machine, your dishwashers, and your tumble dryer at I night. I mean, mean through the because of the because yeah. of the stories you've heard about the fires yeah. that have been caused and stuff like that. So everybody's kind of nervous about that. I mean, we don't do it either. We mm -hmm. don't. We actually what, what we do with our washing machine is we put the timer on to come around the morning at a certain time when we know we're just about to get up. Yeah. So because 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 we are concerned because. There's lots of makes of washing machines that have gone on fire at some point in time. Yeah, if I be called, so we always get nervous about that. So we, we we personally just don't do it. We don't put stuff on during the night. Only thing it does get put on is the dishwasher. There's nobody in the kitchen. The kitchen is basically pretty sparse. Um, mm -hmm. it's got a double double sealed uh, ceiling, double skin ceiling. So that's fire retardant in between, um, to make sure the fire doesn't spread. And we've got we close all the doors as well so it's all self-contained and the doors are all solid wood so it takes ages for a fire to get through and then you've got the heat detector which sets everything off automatically so that's so you can see i've thought this out eh? yeah the only thing i worry about is my cats it's like we'll get out all right but it's like the cats can't exactly yeah. open the door yeah. Um, so the, the thing I worry about the most is obviously the cats are across the hall in, the, in their own private room, but mm -hmm. but we do close that door to keep them all in there during the night because they wonder about the start having parties and fighting and yeah. and meowing at each other and stuff like that in a week, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, that's important. I, I, I think that if you do investigate, there is actually off-peak, kind of off-peak times with your uh, utilities, and I think it does start, it just starts a wee bit earlier in the evening, so just maybe wait and do dishwasher washing and things not necessarily leaving them running when you're in your bed because that can't be I think you're getting rewarded from some of the energy companies now for using yep. the, using the less uh, different that times of day the energy yeah. tariffs yeah 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 so that's a good point but obviously um saving a wee bit and offsetting some of your heating costs and things as well also if your renter property has a uh, gas heating and radiators show your tenants how to bleed the radiators um and how and to, how to pop up the system air, and how to, yeah and how yeah just all these general things about obviously bleeding the radiators uh, topping up your pressure on your boiler and if you've got if your radiators have got a lot of excess air in them they're not going to be as, as effective and, yeah. as they should be and um, can, I, can i just run through um so everybody understands what two types of systems you've got an unvented system which is a system boiler which has a hot water tank that feeds the radiators mm -hmm. you then have a combi which is the water comes in straight away and it and it, it does it as it goes Okay, most of these boilers have pressure settings on them, a pressure. So in other words, the pressure has to be a certain amount before the boiler comes on in the radiators. Um, and it usually is about one bar to one and a half bars um, on the on the gauge. It's all, it's all done in bars. Um, okay, so that means that there's a good pressure in the system. So if you bleed the radiators, what happens is you're taking some of the water out. It's just like taking air out of a tire. Therefore, the tire will go down. Therefore, the pressure goes down. Therefore, the boiler switches off and will not come on. So mm -hmm. you have to know how to, to turn the tap under the boiler just to top it up to one and a half bar again and switch the tap off again. Yeah. And that's what you that's what you need to know how to do. And if you don't know how to do that, then you need to speak to your lightning agent or the landlord and just say, look, you know, I've got a combi boiler. Could you show me how to do this? Or I've got a boiler that's got a pressure valve on it. Um, well, I need to know how to top up the boiler if the if the radiators are, are there. Now, now and again, you also get the dissipation of uh, uh, um, water uh, within the radiator just out of the fact that the boiler's gone. Or, mm -hmm. or you've got a leak, tiny, tiny, tiny leak. 
um, with Hoover rage. People get Hoover rage <laughs> in the pipes on the on the radiators themselves, and it just loosens it off a wee bit. And there's a wee bit of water comes down, but it's not enough. Well, there's a wee bit of water that forms, a, a, you know, in the joint in the valve, and then it's not enough to actually cause a problem. But it but it slowly brings the pressure down over a, over yeah. a, a three or four months, and you don't know where it is. Um, in order to resolve that situation. But that's why sometimes your boiler actually loses its pressure as well. So you just need to learn how to top it up to make sure it's at one, uh, one to one and a half bars. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's some good advice there, Jim. So hopefully that's, uh, if you weren't aware of that and the different systems, then that's helped you. And I think tenants may not always realise that keeping some rooms in that unheated in a property could really cause damage and it could be to the detriment of the property, which yeah. is not just costly for the landlord, I think it's it's costly for everyone involved. So I think it's good to help your tenant make choices, work together, and and ultimately help everyone, the tenant and the landlord, yeah. by looking the after is, the more the more you do this prevention, which is a normal tenant duty, also mm -hmm. landlord duties as well for mm -hmm. you know um, for the property. So if you work hand in hand with your landlord, you'll live in a nice cosy home, and your yeah. landlord will have enough to reinvest in the property if anything goes wrong or if they decide that look the kitchen's a bit tired now and um, i'm going to renew the kitchen you're a good tenant you look after the property i'll make a decent return on it so i could actually invest some of that money and actually give put a new kitchen back in i could possibly put a new bathroom in as well um, and i could possibly put maybe upgraded radiators upgraded heating system and um, for some of the older style ones um, that, so that these are all things that can happen as a result of uh, a good relationship with you and the letting agent and the landlord. Yeah, definitely. I think it helps everybody all around to have a combined interest in maintaining and looking after the property itself. Let's talk next about holding back the rain. So obviously winter brings uh, really harsher conditions, conditions and we know that all too well in Scotland. Um, yeah. And it really has an effect on the outside of your property. But maybe sometimes tenants' attention will understandably be, go, be going to keep them warm indoors. Um, so it's worth having a wee check outside and, and, and go through a few things just to make sure that the external of the property is looked after. And I think one of the main things, and, and we always say this, and, and that's one of the main things we do on inspections when we do a perimeter walk and things is, do any of the gutters look blocked? Is there blocked gutters? Do they have fallen leaves in them? It's such a common occurrence uh, at this time of year that could lead to overflowing and penetrating water, which then ultimately leads to um, water ingress and, and damp and, or, or condensation inside. So, I mean, they could be easily cleared, but it needs to be picked up, whether the tenant notices it and reports it or whether the letting agent picks it up on inspection. Again, it's all preventative maintenance, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, just catching this before it happens. If you're next door to a lot of trees, and you know, find all the leaves come off the trees, then make sure you have that. Even get the wee, you know, the wee um, sieves that go on top of your, yeah. on top of your um, gutter, on top of the downpipe. Mm -hmm. So when anything comes to the downpipe, like leaves of that, it actually, it actually drains it out with the sieve and just the water actually goes into the downpipe so it doesn't block it. Mm -hmm. These are the sort of things that you should, you should really invest in. Some people actually put um, right along their gutters, you know, like you have in the ground, you have these grates in the ground for your driveway and the yep. water goes into it. Well, the, you get that for the top of your gutters as well, mm -hmm. and you can put that in. So when the water hits, just the water goes in, but nothing else goes in the, the gutter itself. And um, that's a, that, I mean, it's costly, but preventative wise, it might be yeah. actually quite handy. Um, the, you know, I, I, think, I, used to, I used to love the snow and I used to love Christmas and all the rest of it. And I don't mean it, I used to love Christmas, but I hate it now. But <laughs> I used to love this time of year as a kid, and my dad used to go, God, snow again on the roofs and stuff like that. And I went, what, eh, what? And then now I eventually get it, because when the snow hits the roof, it's not like the rain and it disappears. It sits on the roof for a long time, especially yeah. if your house is insulated properly. That's a good measure to know yeah. if your house is insulated properly. If the snow's still on the roof when it falls, um, but it stays on for a long time and it more or less drip feeds water into your house if you've got a problem with your roof. Yeah. And yeah. nobody can do anything about it. That's the biggest problem. Yeah, I think as you progress through life and realise the damage that certain things could do that maybe you just was, you were unaware of at a younger age, you know, then you look at it differently, definitely. Um, and that brings up every year. 
about the rain and the snow. It's like, oh God, here we go again. Yeah, we're going winter, winter. Here we go. Here we come. Bring it on. Yeah, and I think as well, and it brings me on. I'm going to talk about obviously, does the property have any slip tiles or that have fallen off recently? Now, I think all the high winds and everything we've experienced recently. Is there any loose or, or slip tiles? They should be fixed immediately. Replace them or have them um, put back in place. Yeah. Um, I would schedule uh, your roofer to do it now, Richard. Yeah. I would schedule your roofer to do it now, even though, and it's like, they might go, well, we can't get up to the roof now. That's fine. Put it on your list. I really need it done. Because the time when most of the snow and most of the problems come is usually February, March, and early April. That's when when we get the most of it in terms of snow. So you've still got time to actually do something with your your roof right now um, to make sure that um make sure it's wind and water type for for when the when the real season comes yeah because i mean slipped and missing tiles like you say jim to avoid rain and like the snow build up if that gets on there and there's a missing tile that's going to just come right through so yeah definitely keep an eye on that if you see anything report it to your landlord or your agent and they will they will more than likely have that fixed as quickly as they can because they, that's as important to them as it is important to you also encouraging tenants to maintain the external property in terms of maybe sweeping up the paths, taking leaves and things away for their own safety as well. Because, I mean, leaves on paths and things, when they get wet and then possibly if they freeze, do you know they could become icy, they could become slippy? Do you know, it's, it's things like this just to keep um, pathways and entrances clear and safe to use for anybody coming and going from the property. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I would say. So it, I, is, I, one the, it is one of the hazards. Uh, and make sure you know if you've not got an outside light um there's no there's no requirement by the way for a landlord to give you an outside light so don't go down that road i've had it recently and make sure you just buy yourself a torch yeah it is dark at this time of year even getting home for your work about four or half four make sure you buy yourself a torch and go up that steps and make sure you've got your steps cleaned regularly and your your uh, and maybe so keep some even table cheap table saw will do the job you know, stick that down, and it'll 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 dissipate the ice at least, or in some shape or form. But but don't try and do it with hot water, because it'll just it's like yeah, I'll do it with hot water, and then then it's just like your car windscreen when you put it on, it starts, and then all of a sudden when it gets less and less, it starts to freeze on the windy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I've been there, done that. <laughs> I tell me about it. That's why I'm saying it. Yeah, talk about external lights. It's it's good to have external lights for safety and things, but. As a tenant, I mean, they might think oh, that's a really expensive thing for me to do. And uh, our external light actually just recently uh, went out. And I'm like, God, I'm going to have to get a new one. But do you know, I found one in a local hardware store relatively cheaply. I think it was like seven, seven to nine. And I thought, God, this is never going to work. It's brilliant. Because obviously we need it for the dog at the back garden and things and just for to be able to see when it's dark. Yeah, brilliant. It's amazing. I can't believe it. And I, I was like, mm, it might be no last, but it has anyway. So you could get them reasonably priced without obviously breaking the bank to get an external light that's really Home good. bargains. And it's motion sensor. Keep, keep them in the lifestyle they're accustomed to. Uh, well, <laughs> I think it was either home bargains or B&M's or something like that. Uh, no, I'm just having but... a go again their house on Mosquito Island. That's all. I just can't believe. I <laughs> hats off to them. But it's just like, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I just think it's, uh, I think it's unbelievable that managed to do that. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, any tips like this and, and things that we've discussed just up to now, feel free to come to me. I've put my contact number and my email and everything in the, in the blog attached to this post. Any questions, I mean, you could tell obviously by our conversations that from my own experience and obviously working in the industry that I've got a lot of tips and advice. So I'm happy to speak to anybody um, about anything that we've covered today. Yeah. And finally, we're going to talk about um, gearing up for going away, Jim. And I said that at the start about tenants going on holiday or leaving the property vacant for a uh, certain uh, period of time, you need to notify your landlord and agent. First and foremost, it might invalidate their insurance. They need to know for the insurance purposes and things as well. But um, obviously thinking about uh, properties being vacant, there's uh, obviously more burglaries are becoming a a, a thing of a a common in darker months as well, when it's quite dark and obviously they've not got the light nights. And tenants often, Mm -hmm. often head off during the Christmas holidays and obviously, or they maybe go and um, live with family or, or, or go and spend the holidays with family. And it makes homes really more vulnerable. Um, so there's some precautions to take to that as well. And um, like you said, Jim, make sure you've got uh, external lights, maybe motion sensors, if they're all set up, have them working, have them up and run in. Um, and if the um, 
the approach to your property is dark, then have the battery powered uh, lamps and things with motion sensors set up properly. So visibility is there for yourself and also it will deter uh, people that shouldn't be on the property if they approach it in the dark because it will mm -hmm. obviously switch on. And it is quite a good deterrent. So that's a simple way to keep your property safe when it's empty. I think as well, if your tenants are planning to head off on holiday and if it's over the Christmas period and things, maybe give them a wee checklist. Say, could you run through these things before you go, before you leave the property to make sure that it's secure and, it, and, and it's going to be left? And even if it's maybe that's things a really like... good one. Yeah, that's actually a really good one, Richard, mm -hmm. about the checklist. Eh? Yeah. Um, even setting your TVR yeah. do, you know, do you know you can set your, your TVRs or T, uh, the, you can set them to the wee frost setting so that they click on so yeah. that um, in the colder months if it's going to be empty. Most um, newer boilers, most newer boilers are actually fit, fitting with a frost setting uh, yeah. um, automatically. So if, the, if it goes, I think it's go, if it goes beyond four degrees in the house, mm -hmm. um, the the boiler primes itself um, automatically. Uh, and then if it goes more, it actually just puts a lukewarm, you know, heat throughout the radiators just to keep everything okay. Yeah. Um, so don't run to your boiler and switch off at the wall. Remember and keep your boiler on, but some do actually have a proper frost setting on them. Um, yeah. So just check where you're making model and check where you're letting agent to your landlord. Yeah, what that does is, is keep the keep off the obviously things like the, the freeze, but it also um, it, it, it can do that without wasting a lot of energy or, or being uh, costly. So that is something that's really important. But you know the simplest things, Jim, when people are going away, and it's it's making sure all the doors and the windows are closed and locked correctly. Mm. And and that people might think, God, that's just common sense. But unfortunately, not that common. <laughs> it's not that common, yeah. No. Yeah. It's like so, yeah. and and I see it quite a lot. I do you know a once in a blue moon when you're walking down the street or something like that, you know somebody's away, you look over and you think their top popper's wide open and and I just have the I just have the the sense to go over and just push it shut. Um, you know, I, I I don't. I, by the way, I know there's no cats or animals in the property because sometimes somebody's got the top over open for their cat again and out and stuff like that. Yeah. But I know that's not the case. Uh, you know, so once in a blue moon, I've seen it happen, and and then I've just I've just pushed the window shut so nobody would know. Same thing as well when you walk past doors and you know you know they're away. So and the telltale sign is the you know whoever's put leaflets through the doors. This is why when we did canvassing, we used yeah. to put the leaflet right through the door. Because I tell you what, no, if you put leaflets through doors and you leave it hanging out, more or less if it sits there for two or three days because the person's away on holiday, it tells anybody it's casing the house, if they are, that mm -hmm. nobody's in that house. And um, so that's that's another telltale sign. So you've got to watch out for that. And if you do see that a lot of stuff piled up at the door and you know they're no way in holiday, then you know, check, check with them, yeah. make sure they're okay. If you see, you know, the, the old thing, thing that used to advertise on the telly was if you see milk at the door, because the milkman used to deliver and the, the milk, yeah. there's about two or three days worth of milk there. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute, something's wrong. Um, or even after the first day, to be honest, or even in the bins, you know, sometimes people will leave their bins out, put them back up the drive because they've maybe left them out because they're going away on holiday and they need them emptied for when they come back. So they put them out maybe three or four days earlier, they go away on holiday, but their bins are still sitting there. So they might not have anybody organised to put the bins back in their drive or they're back at the property. So just, you know, do them a favour and take them back and put them in. I know, it's quite good to be, I mean, it's, uh, it's good to be neighbourly and obviously have a bit of a compassion to who stays around you, obviously. Good neighbours are quite hard to come by, so if you've got good neighbours, then look after each other and, and, and look for signs like that. It's, you it's, it... a good, it's a good sign. You're not, you're not actually asking for a reciprocation of mm -hmm. a favour. When you're doing that for someone but if you're if you know maybe you know on good terms with your neighbors and you do know they're away on holiday and you do know they've left their bins out maybe just do that for them you don't need to tell them that you've done it because that just makes it worse you just do yeah. it you know they've, they've then wondered they'll probably speak to someone else and say how's my bins at? oh and your next door neighbor brought them in oh that's brought them you know you don't need to announce it to them and look for thanks <laughs> or yeah. stuff like that it's just like you know or you maybe just send them a message and say your bins are out uh, you know are you away on holiday it's like yeah i'm away on holiday i'll, I'll take them in for you because um, yeah. they, they've been emptied and and you could do something like that but you don't expect thanks don't expect acknowledgement we're just not all the same we don't think the same way as well 
Um, it's just like I posted something last night on the person with their feet on the wall on the plane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they had their feet up on the wall on the plane, and I was like, oh, bite your tongue, Jim. No, I felt like it. Yeah, Would you do that in your own home? Anyway, that's we got that out, you see. I was waiting for that. Um, <laughs> but my point was, if the stewardesses are not bothered about it, and the steward, you know, it's like, why, why should I bother about it? Yeah, but kind of get me as well. Um, Mel Robbins actually says this uh, quite well. Says, uh, uh, "Just let to let it be. Yeah, just let it happen." I mean, I think I would if it was a longer haul flight. But I mean, what were you on the flight? Two hours. <laughs> Two Three hours. hours. Yeah, so it's like it's it's not that a long flight. But anyway, and woke me up twice, bumped me, bumped me with a baggage I had in the middle chair. <laughs> and it's like, and I went, what, what, what? Because I thought they were serving something. She went, no, no, it's all right, it's all right. It's like, oh God, you've just woke me up. I was having a nice deep sleep. <laughs> it's like that was me awake now. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think as we talk about this, I think the most important thing for me is for tenants to always make your landlord or your agent aware if you're going away on holiday, especially for an extended yeah. period of time and in these winter months so that things, precautions can be put in, uh, taken and things can be put in place to make sure the property is okay. And as we talk about that, I mean, most homes go through the winter without break-ins and frozen pipes and things, but it's better to be safe than sorry. And at the very least, uh, there's no point in tempting fate. Tempting fate, yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's, uh, prevention is better than cure. Again, yeah. as we're coming to say, prevention is definitely better than cure. And the, uh, and the, the, the question really that, landlords, agents and even tenants should all be thinking to themselves or watching this as, as or, or just in general, is my property ready for winter? And if you can't answer that completely, clearly thinking, yes, it is, then there's, there's obviously things you need to look at. Well, if they get in touch with you, you can give them a winter, a winter yeah. checklist. Yeah. So if they get in touch with you, you can give them a winter checklist and then, then they could take it for their, um, and what they're, you know, they could look at the winter checklist and they'll tell them everything they should be doing, everything they should be looking after. There'll be a couple of things on there they probably don't know anything about it, they should have done. Yeah. They'll go, good, it's a great reminder. Uh, there's no upsell, by the way, just no. a winter checklist. I've also got, um, I've also got a really good um, leaflet which advises um, on... Condensation. Prevention for condensation and things as well, yeah. So, yeah, that you, yeah, you can send to all your tenants as well and just say, yeah. like, you know, this is the things, the measures that you've got to do to prevent condensation in your house. So please do them uh, for your own benefit and your own health as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny. Concludes... It's funny. I'm going to just have a wee gripe there at the end. Um, uh, about, <laughs> about, about, that not, about no, but, uh, no. I'm just going to say this about mold and damp and all the rest of it. Yeah. It's, do you ever notice when the television comes on and they talk about landlords allowing their properties to be mold infested and damp and all the rest of it? It generally is because of a social rented landlord that's caused that problem. But they don't say it's a social rented landlord. They tend to say, oh, they tend to say, they tend to say landlords, and they almost insinuate private landlords are coupled as well. When in actual fact, most of these cases that you actually see on the television are actually social rented private landlords. They're generally council houses because they mm -hmm. wheel out the person from the council spokesman to actually make a you know an apology for the fact that they're they've left their tenant in a situation with uh, damp and mold conditions which has affected their health. It's very rare you've even got a private landlord involved in this, but you do notice that the news decides to give it as landlords rather than actually as council landlords or yeah. social landlords. Yeah, and people just automatically associate the word landlord with the private rented sector. And then when it's the other way around, they just go, it's private landlords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so it's damned if you do, damned if you don't, eh? Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, but yeah, no, you're quite right, Jim. But um, hopefully that's all been quite good information. You could come to me if uh, anybody wants to elaborate on that and get any tips and things as well. Jim, you and I are doing the Wealth Creation Show Monday. We're talking about pensions on Monday. Yep. So uh, that's going to be a really... That's Snoop a really interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not actually. Do you know what? I, I know. Think? You sent me some stats and things that we're going to talk the cover, and it's that's quite an eye opener, to be honest. And, and I'll and I'll give you the eye opener. Um uh, most people retire at 65, it'll now be 66. Okay. Yeah. And they'll retire on an income that they can't afford to live on. So they'll have to continue to work whether they like it or not. And they won't be allowed any of the choices they want to have. 
So you need to get real about this and watch the Wealth Creation Show at 12.30 on Monday. Also, if you're retiring at 66 or 65 and the average age of life is 80 years old now, you've literally got 15 years to enjoy the rest of your life. And I'm not saying piss it up against the wall today and actually, you know, just get on with it and enjoy yourself and life's too short and all the rest of it. That's not what I'm saying. And there's a responsible approach to this and you could enjoy your whole lifestyle that you've got the now up to the point of retirement and still have a huge amount of money and wealth to retire on and enjoy yourself. And who knows, you could be on Necker Island as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, tune in Monday, 12.30, we're going to discuss that. I think I titled that, um, can you comfort live comfortably um, in your retirement? And that's a, that's a question to ask yourself as well. So, and we'll 95% can't, by the way. That's the answer straight away. Yeah. 95% of people can't retire comfortably at all. Which is a scary prospect. So 95% of people watching right now need to, or listening or tuning to this later on, either need to watch that show because it's been done already, or they need to join us at 12.30 on Monday on the Wealth Creation Show about it. Yeah. Good. Okay, we'll leave it there today. Thanks for that, Jim. Thanks for everybody that's watching, and hopefully that's been helpful. And we'll see you on Monday. Okay, bye-bye for now. Bye.